Welcome to The Digital Change, a production of the Innovation Podcast Network. This podcast discusses key insights into the digital disruptions that are taking place in all sectors. Learn from industry experts on how you can capture and harness the value of this digital economy. Now here's our host, David Swank, CEO of the Innovation Platform. Welcome to another edition of the Digital Change Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today, and we are in the midst of a uh, five-part series of the digital maturity stack that we call the digital solution stack here at the Innovation Platform. This Digital Change Podcast is really all about uh, achievable solutions, impactful results, and meaningful experiences. And last week, we began this series of the digital maturity process or digital maturity stack in talking about digital strategy planning. Uh, If you didn't have the opportunity to join us, we actually began to talk about this digital maturity in the context of as an organization or as a community, have you really begun the process of looking at and engaging uh, your organization and its capabilities to confront the contrasts, the challenges that are facing us in this new digital era. We talked about, from an operational standpoint, have you begun to really understand your current processes and how those processes are going to be impacted by the digitization of everything, of how your customer interface is going to change as customers begin to demand more information, more access to Uh, the experience with organizations and service providers that they they work with. And then lastly, we talked about the financial investments. And I really want to to begin today in uh, revisiting the the last part of that uh, digital strategy planning process, and that is really considering our financial investments. What drives our financial investments? And I had shared last week an article from Navigant that spoke about uh, the Energy Cloud 4.0. And in that article or white paper, Navigant pointed out that today businesses are represented by four types of business models that really drive their financial investments. The first being uh, that of being an asset builder. Secondly, a service provider. Thirdly, a technology creator or the fourth being that of a network orchestrator. The article pointed out that at each of those levels, scale uh, was achieved at higher levels and profit margins increased as you uh, went from an asset builder all the way to a network orchestrator. You know, today, as we think about the the idea of what type of business we're in and, and what we invest in, because what we invest in many times demonstrates what we believe our company represents. And I would really uh, advocate that many organizations have lost sight of their why. Uh, James Allen wrote a, or state, made a statement that said, until thought is linked with purpose, there is no intelligent accomplishment. <clears throat> so when you think about that, last week we really uh, begged the question, are we thinking, are we giving thought to what our organization looks like in this new digital era. I shared insights from John C. Maxwell's book on thinking for a change and where he actually posed questions about, are we big picture thinkers? Are we creative thinkers? 
You know, today we really begin in this second stack of the digital maturity in talking about linking those thoughts to purpose. So today we're going to really begin to talk about digital access and adoption. But the question is, what's the purpose of having access to data, having access to digital? What's the purpose of increasing the adoption rate or accelerating the, the digital experience in our organization and, and within our customer base? Some key elements that we're going to talk about today as we kind of unpack this second level is, you know, have we as organization or communities done a digital inventory, truly understanding and knowing what our inventory consists of in regards to not just data, digital devices, and so forth. And we'll begin to talk about that a little more clearly as we get into this discussion today. But also, we're going to be talking about internal access to data and digital experiences. We're going to talk about the customer access. And then we're going to conclude today talking about really the, the, the digital adoption and how do we accelerate that adoption. But again, I want to pose the question and go back to the purpose, the purpose or the why in which we begin to not only uh, access data, pursue this digital uh, economy, this digital era. A book that I uh, recently read given to me by one of the board members that I used to serve, an outstanding board member, who really appreciated the idea of, of strategy and planning. It was a book from Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And uh, I think it really begins to kind of set the stage for our discussion today as we really think about why we as an organization would begin to look at digital in reference to our organization and really begin to understand if we're going to apply some of these transformational technologies to our organization, how do they complement or allow us to really stay true to our why, why we exist, why we are there to serve our customers, our clients, in, in, in the case of a cooperative, its members. Uh, Simon made the comment that people don't buy what you do, they buy what why you do it. He went on to talk about this golden circle, this golden circle where the outer ring is your what, the next circle is your how, and the target, that middle circle being why you do what you do. He made this statement, when most organizations or people think, act, or communicate, they do so from the outside in, from what to why. And for good reason, they go from the clearest thing to the fuzziest thing. Think about when people uh, meet you for the first time. Many times they ask, what is it that you do? They rarely ask, what is it that you believe or why do you exist, for example? They ask, what do you do? Because a lot of times we choose the what to define who we are and, in many cases, who our organization is. We say what we do. We sometimes say how we do it, but we rarely say why we do it. And that's where it is so important that we as an organization begin to think about the why. Simon Sinek went on to talk about an example of Apple computers. Uh, Apple, a computer company, a consumer electronics company, a smartphone company. These are all expressions of what Apple does. If Apple only identified itself with what, you might rightly ask, what the heck is Apple doing in all these disparate industries? But Apple doesn't start with what? <clears throat> they start with why. In the early 2000s, Apple started a campaign to communicate the why called Think Differently. 
In the case of Apple, they're buying the why of think different, of challenging the status quo, of being an innovator. I can remember uh, for years where you would see Steve Jobs get up on stage and introduce the next innovation from Apple, and it captured the attention, really, of a nation where people were really beginning to be intrigued by what is Apple going to do next. So they represented more than just what they did, but the why of thinking differently. I would share with you today as we really began to consider digital access and digital adoption that at Innovation Platform, we believe that in order for digital access and adoption to be effective, to really provide the outcomes that you're looking for as an organization, that you must start with being real. That's really our why at Innovation Platform is being real. Being real about the exponential change that is happening in our economy, being real about the disruption that is taking place. In this article from Navigant, as I shared with you last week, one of the things they actually advocated or suggested that utilities in particular needed to do is to begin to really look at scenarios, various scenarios that were going to impact their organization. And they talked about not just disruption, but they used the word uh, massive disruption. In other words, even to the degree of revenue streams decreasing maybe up to 50%, what what would that mean to an organization if their current business model began to shift in dramatic ways? It means being real about the situation. I've used the statement before, that that is, is, that that is not, is not, is that not it, it is. And today in a world where, you know, we we say things like reality is not reality, perception is reality, in a world where, you know, we have video games and things that really drive the imagination, which on one side is very positive, but on another, sometimes it keeps us from being just realistic about where we're at and where we need to go. And so I, again, would really encourage you as an audience today, think about in a very real way what is happening in your organization from a digital standpoint. Why is it important to begin to provide your employees, your customers, your clients, your ecosystem a digital access? Why is it important that we accelerate the digital adoption? Those are important questions. But on this idea of reality... I'll share with you a story that I think makes this point. A golfer who had been playing badly went to a psychiatrist who told him to relax by playing a round of golf without a ball. Do everything you would normally do, but use an imaginary ball, advised the psychiatrist. The golfer tried it the next day. He stepped up on the first tee, imagined he got a 260-yard drive, made a fine approach, shot to the green, then he putted for par. The round was just going splendidly, As he approached the 18th hole, he met another golfer playing the same way. No ball. The other golfer had been to the same psychiatrist. They decided to play the last hole together and bet $10 on the outcome. The first golfer swung at his imaginary ball and announced that he had gone 280 yards right down the middle of the fairway. The second golfer got up to the tee and matched the drive. The first fellow, when he took out his five iron as he approached the ball, he hit the ball on the green, he spun it back, went in the hole, and he looked at the other golfer and said, I win. He looked at his partner who just hit the ball and said, no, you don't. You hit my ball. Imagination. Being 
unrealistic. You know, in many ways we go through life, and this is a humorous story, but it really depicts how sometimes we tell ourselves story. The book Crucial Conversation talks about that explicitly when we are in the world of trying to really engage people about issues and challenges. We use a lot of what we call facts, but they end up being more opinions than they are evidence-based. You know, moving in this data world really is about being evidence-based, being more factual, being more realistic. It is so important today that we understand that the reality is that this is not an imaginary game, that it is a real game. We're not playing with house money. We're literally being depended upon by consumers, by members, by constituents to make very strong decisions based on reality. The stakes are high, the impact is real, and the consequences uh, are very impactful to the trajectory of our organization and to our community. So when we hear statistics like 63% of executives revealed that the pace of technology change in their organization was too slow, those are real um, uh, indicators, uh, real facts in which we're left with, what do we do? How do we move forward? And again, at Innovation Platform, we believe that we have to, to really be real about what those actions look like. And so today, again, as we talk about digital access and adoption, those are real uh, purposeful actions, real purposeful activities. But how do we go about that? I would ask that you consider this idea of real, R-E-A-L, in this way. One, as we really look at providing digital access and accelerating adoption, we need to ask ourselves, is it relevant? Is the information relevant? Is the data relevant? You know, as we look at the new economy, the digital economy, even that, it means that the idea of economic development, how we do economic development in our communities, is changing. I actually saw a statistic just here in the last few days uh, that was the U.S. Census Bureau from 2017 to 2018, the population changes throughout the country. And it demonstrated that we are seeing a continual decline in population throughout many of the rural communities. Urbanization is happening. We have to be real about what is it that is attracting people to urban areas. Why is that uh, a trend that is happening, and how do we begin to make areas in which we live in relevant so people will want to live, work, and play in these communities, especially those of rural communities? E, engaging. How do we make the data, the information that we're going to make access accessible, engaging? You know, we have many disruptive forces in technology today, and those disruptive forces have the ability for us to really harness them, capture them for value. A being, you know, are we agile? Agile in creating, using data to create new methods, new practices. So if we're going to provide access to our employees, to our consumers, how do we look at that data and be agile about changing processes, changing methods, even perhaps changing our business model so that that access to data becomes more meaningful for those who are accessing it? And then lastly, the L being leading transformation, really connecting people to the next greatest thing. In the uh, cooperative world, most everyone's familiar with a book called The Next Greatest Thing. And really what the book was all about is how electri electricity transformed rural America. And so therefore it was called The Next Greatest Thing. 
And I've always said that one of the things that made me proud about being in the cooperative world is we were pioneers. And one thing I hope doesn't happen is that no matter what industry or business you're in is to, to lose that pioneering spirit. That technology has always brought about change and brought about opportunities for positive change for those who are pioneers who can capture and harness that change. And so it's important for us to be a part as leaders to lead that transformation and to be real about some of the challenges. And I would just point out two of those challenges before we really talk about uh, the key elements of this digital access and adoption uh, stack in the digital maturity process. One is the challenges of really internally from our employees to board members to those who are part of the internal processes. Uh, there's a book called Change the Culture, Change the Game. The author talks about this pyramid of you've got to start with experience. Experience leads to belief, and belief leads to actions, and actions lead to results. So how do we begin to really provide meaningful experiences to our employees, to our board, in accessing data and making sure that that data has value, has something that is uh, a meaningful experience for that individual. I think a challenge we're facing internally also is even just the education process and the training process. We get so caught up in allowing the urgent to crowd out the important. It's going to be vital that we begin to create opportunities for training and education for employees, not only to understand the value of data, but to also understand how to access it, how to engage that system of whatever application we're having them use for those purposes. And then also, how do we move from complicated systems today to more simple processes, simple methods of accessing data? You know, big data itself is an extremely challenging task. How do we begin to take big data and really turn it into not complex systems, but really more meaningful opportunities. I like the statement that we're drowning in information but starving for knowledge. And that's one of our tasks is how do we create a system of systems. An innovation platform, that is really, we're going to talk about that next week as we talk about the digital platform component, is how do we start creating a system of systems where we really can begin to manage big data. Another challenge that we have to address and consider is the challenge of, for our customers, for those that we serve. How do we take this big data, this digital uh, era, the digitization of everything, and really begin to make that meaningful to the, to the customer? But one of the things we must recognize is that we are competing for the customer's attention today more than we ever have in the past. Uh, In the early 90s, I was at a meeting where we were talking about deregulation in the utility sector. And one of the speakers made the comment, and I believe it uh, it really is a a big truth today, is that when we lose the meter, because the meter is the connection to the customer, we're going to lose the customer's uh, uh, loyalty, lose the customer's attention. We're going to be competing uh, in ways we've never really imagined. And so flash forward today and look at the Internet of Things. Look at how many connecting points that customers have in their homes and smart buildings and really allow them, begin to, to, to put the customer in more of a control-type position. And we find that whether it's Google Nest or the list goes on and on, 
in which these various Internet of Things, these appliances, are beginning to really do functions that the utility sector used to perform. So it's going to be important for us to know that one of our competing challenges is competing for the attention of our customers, those who have traditionally been really uh, in a very controlled environment. We, we're going to have to be intentional about targeted and education campaigns with our customers and our clients and really helping them not only to understand the value of the data and the experience we provide, but how it can really improve their quality of life, improve the value proposition that we provide. And then also, are we prepared to provide the customer support beyond the meter, if you will, to really begin to have the customer understand how we are not just connecting to them, but we're connecting to them even to the grid edge, as many would say. So these are just some of the challenges, and there are many more challenges, but just you know the challenges of how we connect employees, connect customers to this digital access and this whole desire to create digital adoption. Someone once said challenges make life interesting, but it's solving those challenges that give life meaning. And I, I really believe today we have the opportunity to bring meaningful experiences to people by capturing this digital era. So let's just jump in today uh, just briefly to these key elements of this digital maturity stack and, and the digital access and adoption, uh, the second stack, if you will. And I would tell you there, these are the key elements that uh, really are going to have to be performed by organizations, by communities, in order to be, create purposeful, achievable, impactful, and meaningful experiences with data. First, we must do a digital inventory. Secondly, we must think about the internal access and the internal access points, the customer access, the ecosystem access, and then really begin to think about how, that, how does that accelerate the digital adoption. So let me just briefly touch on each of those. First, on the digital inventory. The question for you, for us, is do I know all of my systems? Not only all the systems I have in place, applications that contain data, that hold data, that collect data, do I know all the data that, that was, is within those systems? Do I know all the devices in my organization and where people access the data? Do I know all the intelligent collective points within my organization, sensors? A am I aware of all the digital communication paths, dig digital communication channels with my, in my organization? So when we talk about doing a digital inventory, these are the elements that we're speaking of. When you think about internal access, it's about making sure not only do we have the data structured, but that we're giving the data to the right people at the right time for the right decision. That is so important. There was a cartoon I saw a few months ago that had a group of people sitting around a table, and it said, let's shrink big data into small data and magically hope it becomes great data. Well, one of the things that big data is all about, as we think about big data, is it really does represent an opportunity for us to take more data, to ingest that data, digest that data, begin to leverage that data for great purposes, for real meaningful experiences. But how do we do that? Well, you have to first define the data that's available and the audience, in this case we're talking about internal, who needs that data? What actions can be taken by those new insights? Just providing people data is not really what we are striving to do. What we're striving to do is provide them data with new insights that lead to more efficiency, more productivity, greater opportunities to deliver value. 
And then what processes can be impacted by increasing these access points? How do we eliminate maybe steps of processes, automating processes? In other words, this is when data becomes great data. This is when big data becomes real value. Let's talk about customer access. On the customer access, it's important for us to begin to recognize that customers are no longer basing their loyalty on price or product. We're seeing today that instead they're basing their loyalty on companies who provide them an experience. An experience in many cases today based on data. Look at the experiences that people have in the palm of their hands today with a mobile phone and how the mobile phone is transforming so many experiences of the customer. So our question is, instead of focusing always on price and product, how do we begin to transition and begin to think like the customer? Gardner predicts in some recent survey that by 2019, more than 50% of organizations will redirect their investments to customer experience innovations. So if other organizations are redirecting investments, so this goes back to earlier my discussion about being a network orchestrator. If investments are beginning to be focused on customer experience and my organization or my community is not doing that, how does that put me in a less of a competitive position? How does that put me in a position that I'm not as relevant to my customer, to my clients? So how, why do we improve the customer experience? We need to do it for purposes of customer retention. We need to do it to improve the customer satisfaction. We need to do it to increase uh, possibilities for new service offerings. Also, our ecosystem access. So not just employees, but our ecosystem. How do we make sure that they have access to this data? For decades, our supply chain has really been based on you know, supply-focused models. Where we're moving today is more to demand-focused models, where our supply chain is not only uh, providing that we're providing into that supply chain, but perhaps the supply chain is adding more value in our offering to our end users. So how do I look at my ecosystem and really begin to expand on how that ecosystem helps me to deliver the final value proposition to my customer? It goes back to that idea of network orchestrating. So in conclusion today, what we've talked about is really, again, as we think about the purpose, the why of digital, as we think about the why we would want people to have access to data, the why of people accelerating digital adoption, then we really begin to uh, affect change. We really begin to affect change in our organization, begin to affect change in our communities. And this is the second stack of the digital maturity process. Next week, we're going to be talking uh, explicitly about what we call the digital platform. So the first week, we spent time talking about digital strategy planning, understanding our capabilities, understanding our internal operations, our processes, understanding the customer interface as it stands today, beginning to look at how are we going to invest in the future. Today, we've talked about the second stack of the digital maturity process, that second stack, starting with really how do we, do we know our inventory of our entire digital experience? Do we have that documented? Do we have a baseline understanding? Do we then know how we're going to take that inventory of both data and devices and begin to leverage that for internal access and accelerating the adoption internally? 
Do we know what that looks like? How do we take those investments, those assets of the digital inventory and begin to actually uh, move those into uh, scale for our customers? Our ecosystem, are we leveraging the ecosystem? Are there new value propositions and opportunities by engaging in our ecosystem? And how do we begin to integrate them into our platform so that they become a part of that end result to uh, our customers, our clients, and our potential revenue streams? And then what are some of our strategies as it relates to digital adoption? And on that digital adoption, we have to address things such as security of data, how we provide advanced visualization, how we bring things into a single view, how we create mobility. Well, I hope today is giving you additional insights into this digital maturity process. And again, next week is a very important week as we really begin to talk about a digital platform. A digital platform that really allows us to scale, a digital platform that allows us to really begin to move toward achievable solutions, impactful results, and also meaningful experiences. I want to, to close today in, in sharing with you, a, uh, I think, a, a story that kind of makes the point of, you know, it's, it's so important that when we get to this point of the digital maturity process that we are beginning to create a belief in our why and a belief in where we're going. I'm reminded of a story of a, a pastor who asked uh, one of the individuals in his congregation, what do you believe? And the individual responded, well, I believe the same as the church believes. And uh, so he asked him, what does the church believe? Well, they believe the same as I believe. And seeing he was really getting nowhere, the pastor said, and what is it that you both believe? And the gentleman responded, well, I suppose the same thing. I share that with you because I think one of the challenges in this digital era, one of the great challenges of this just magnitude of change that is happening. It is knowing, it is truly understanding and believing in not only what your current status is, but where you're going. And again, these first two levels of the digital maturity stack that we've talked about are really built on that idea of thinking, uh, thinking very big picture, thinking creatively. The second stack being about why am I really pursuing the digital the digitization, the digital economy. And we're going to be talking now about how do we begin to truly build a digital platform. And it will require a strong belief in how do I begin to build a platform where I can transform my organization and become relevant, become engaging, be agile, and also lead this transformation. Thank you for joining us today. And we look forward to visiting with you again next week as we continue this series on digital maturity. Do you have questions about the digital transformation or want to share your experiences in the digital economy with the Digital Change team? Then reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram at IPSmartBuzz. Or by filling out the listener feedback form at globalinnovationpodcast.com. And if you like our show, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.